In this week's podcast, I take you back to a message that I preached recently called uh, Being Tempted by the Temporary. And it's essentially a marketplace teaching around being able to spot temptation from the enemy and how to deal with it. You'll have to forgive me, I, I'm, I'm not the greatest, slickest preacher in the world, but this is a message I really wanted to get out because, you know, there's a whole history of marketplace champions who, on the journey of building a great business and having influence and funding projects, have bowed their knee to something, whether it's materialism, whether it's pride, ego, mammon, Jezebel. And it's the thing that keeps me awake at night is, is like, there would be nothing worse for me than teaching 10,000 people how to build profitable businesses and then something takes them out on the journey. And so this teaching will just help you spot temptation, spot the enemy and deal with it before it becomes something major. All right, let's go to the message. Before we get into such a weighty topic, we should pray. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us tonight as we unpack your word. We don't take it lightly, Lord Jesus, that we have a Bible to read from. We acknowledge the price that many people paid for us to have a written word that we can read from tonight. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as sovereign over our lives, but far out, we can't do it without you. So Lord, help us stay tight. Amen. Tempted by the temporary. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture. We're going to go to 2 Peter 3. That doesn't mean that there was two Peters. It's the second letter. And it says this, it's, it's the day of the Lord. Now catch this. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Everything that's not eternal will be burned up. Everything we do that does not have an eternal consequence will be burned up. Everything you do that's good, that isn't God, will be burned up. Your greatest efforts will be burned up if they're not focused on something eternal. This earth and everything in it will be burned up. And I have a feeling that there's an entire swag of people that have tried to do good works in their life and all of it just ends up in flames because they run around doing what looks good and didn't necessarily chase what's eternal. So we're left with a choice in every action and inaction that we take. Is what I'm doing going to produce eternal fruit or will it just get burned up and I would suggest to you that there's no middle ground it's either eternal or it's earthly works that will be burned up I don't think there's a middle ground and so I say that with with a weight to kind of get us to think what am I doing now what am I doing now now, I'm sure, like me, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I just I want to do the things that are eternal. I'm sure you do. That's why you're at an event like this. And I do too. But the minute that you and I make a decision that says, ha, given that, I want to do things that are eternal as much as I possibly can for the rest of my life. That's a very good natural reaction to a scripture like that. 
So then, of course, what happens in a spiritual battle is the enemy goes, ah, did you, did you just make that, is that your, are you making a commitment to do eternal and not, not worldly things that'll get burned up? That means I've got to come after you more than I would have done. Because you're making a commitment to advance the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of self. So what's going to happen there, the, nat- the natural progression is the enemy is going to be like, ha, ha, ha. Now, you may, you may think that at some point the enemy stops. He doesn't. And the closer you draw to God and the closer you start to do things that are only eternal, he actually throws more at you, not less. It's just that on the journey, you become fitter for battle. So you can spot the stuff and deal with it as the problems get bigger. All right? So it's good news, right, that you actually get fitter and better at this spiritual warfare thing as you go. But... But here's what's going to happen. You've made the decision that you want to spend your life doing things that only map to eternal outcomes. The enemy really only has a couple of things that he can do now to try and stop you. And one of them, the repeating thing that he does all the way through Scripture, is he will bring temptation to get you to bow your knee to wanting to do things that are eternal and change the plan to do things that are worldly, that get burned up. That's the only real trick that he's got, is to get to get you to take your focus off the decision of I'm doing eternal things and get you to focus on earthly things because he, I mean, he knows scripture more than you, right? So he knows that he knows that anything that he can get you to do down here and earthly is, is absolutely pointless. So, so his trump card, if you like, is temptation. He wants to put so many things in front of you that at some point he can trip you up. Now, here's good news. God's grace is sufficient. You're going to make mistakes. That's the good news. It's kind of hard to get your head around, but it's good news. That doesn't mean the enemy will stop. And just because you're a sinner saved by grace doesn't mean that's an invitation to come back and sin. We have to be able to spot temptation and have a plan on how to deal with it. And there is a whole long line of entrepreneurs who have started out with a heart for eternal and then on the way bowed their knee to Baal for something and then it has completely taken them out over time And not only does it do a huge amount of damage to them and their life and their family, but it's one more kingdom person. It's one more impact that we lose, which is a massive shame. And so you and I need to start to understand, like, who is this enemy and what does this temptation look like? Because we have no chance of defeating temptation if we don't actually know how to spot it. So that's our message this evening. And the cool thing about the devil is he only really has a couple of tricks up his sleeve. He just um, keeps using them, and our short-term memory means that we don't know how to spot them, all right? But we're playing a bigger game. Isn't that what we just said to our neighbor? Yes or yes? All right, some of you need a bit of warm-up, a little bit of warm-up here. All right, let's have a bit of a look. Um, uh, You can follow along if you want. You you don't have to, um, but I'll read it to you. So Matthew 4, 1, we start to see what temptation looks like. And this is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Now, you might be thinking, "That's listen, if if the devil's going after Jesus, he's definitely going after you. Because you don't spend anywhere near as much time only doing what the Father says. Like, Like, he was tight. He was tight with God and still got tempted. All right? Um, Now, of course... Tempted in every way, Scripture says, every way that we would have, which I find that bizarre, right? Because he didn't have kids. So 
like there are times when that t the temptation is real, right? It's like we brought you into this world, we can take you out, um, you know. Like, but but it's only temptation, which is good news, right? So so Jesus says he's tempted in every way, and and, and that's a bit for me to get my head around. But Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and you would have read this a thousand times, but I actually want to pull it apart and get a handle on how do we spot the temptation that Jesus came up against. So uh, Matthew 4 uh, starts like this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We know that bit. Um, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, some of you are like, man. Like, I don't know about you, but I think about that, I'm like, that's... Solid. That's solid. I remember doing three days once. I told everybody how upset I was. Right? So, you know, like 40 days, 40 nights and 40 days. And then the scripture says, and afterwards he was hungry. Well, duh. <laughs> but it's there for a reason. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if... So he's already trying to get into doubt and question his identity, if you, see, 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 see if, if he's prepared to say, if you, if you, to, um, to Jesus, then he's going to want to say, if you, to you, and get you to doubt everything you stand for, right? And if you entertain that just for a second, you've probably already lost. You are the son. You are a child of God. You are not. You, you need to be like I am. That's, that's where your response is going to come from. But he's always going to come with if you are. If you are the son of God, he says, command these stones to become bread. Why bread? Because he's hungry. That's why it says he's hungry. Now Jesus turns around and preaches back at him. Short sermon. Pretty short sermon. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Preaching straight, like basically straight out of Deuteronomy. Um, then the devil took him up to a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if... So just, so it's, it's not, it doesn't even try a different strategy. Just tries to get him to doubt who he is again. Um, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and... In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus says to him another short sermon. It is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's a pretty short sermon, but it puts him back in his box. Again, the devil looked up, took him up to an exceedingly high mountain. Seems unnecessarily added, but I think that's cool. Uh, exceedingly high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus says to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So don't think for a minute that this was like easy for Jesus. You don't need angels to come and tend to you if everything's okay. 40 days of fasting, testing, this wasn't, this wasn't easy for Jesus, right? That's why the angels had to come and tend to him afterwards. All right, so I just want to look at those three, and I want to put them into categories for you. 
When he says, if you're the son of God, um, command these stones to become bread, what the enemy was trying to get Jesus to do was lust after the flesh, right? He was hungry, and he gave him an opportunity. He questioned who he is, and he gave him an opportunity to go after something that was just gratifying the body, all right? Lust of the flesh. When we go a little bit further, and he says to him, uh, takes him up to a pinnacle and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, it's written, blah, 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 you know, he shall give his angels charge over you in their hands and bear up and let not dash the foot. See, see, what he's trying to do there is he's getting Jesus to try and prove his power. And by getting Jesus to prove his power, he automatically has power over the person because he's the one making him prove himself that he's powerful. So if you see the power switch that takes place in that conversation, the devil is trying to lead the charge of the power and get Jesus to prove his power. And if he proves his power to the devil, he's already lost. So the first one is we've got the lust lust of the flesh. Uh, The second one is we have a lust for power. And then it goes on to say this. He takes him up into that city and he says, I'll show you all these kingdoms. I'll give them all to you if you'll fall down and worship me. It's the lust of the eyes. That's why he took him onto an exceedingly high mountain to look down upon all the kingdoms of this world. Because he got to see all of these kingdoms. And the enemy was tempting him with what he saw. Hopefully using the senses of seeing would get him to question his identity and ultimately try and lay it all down and give in to the lust of the eyes. Does that make sense? So he's been tempted with essentially three lusts. Lust of the flesh, looking after my body and what I need. Lust for power, right? Um, and a lust, lust for the eyes and the things that you can see. Now that's cool, but that's a bit of a blueprint. But that's not a whole lot different to when Adam and Eve were tested. So if we go to Genesis 3, this is what we read. You all know this. Um, it says... Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden? I mean, we don't need to pick, park there for too long. But have you ever thought, like, he actually lied? That, like, that is a complete misquote of what he said. So he's not only getting her to doubt what Jesus said, he twists what Jesus said. It's like, man, that's like, you, you, you are, it's horrible, like, if you look at the level of deceit in what he did there. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, or shall you touch it, lest you die. So she got it right. Sister can preach, all right? She, she, had, it, she had it all around the right way. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Luring her with a lust for power over God, better than God. You will be like God. And all he wanted to do was see if he can buy her off with a promise. And it worked. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, 
the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. When, she saw, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, he doesn't even break it down with her. He hits her with two. There's like two. There's the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh right there. So he's tempted her with the lust of the power. You'll be like God. And then when she, like the, he, he tempts her with the lust of the eyes. He sees that it's good and that it's good for the body and she consumes it. It all maps to the same thing, right? So what does that mean for us as kingdom marketplace entrepreneurs? Is that, a, is that a fair question? What does it mean to us? You guys are very quiet. Some of you are like, I came here to be inspired. You will be by the end. You will be by the end. I hope. So... <laughs> So what, so what would it look like today in 2023? Because, you know, to be fair, like, who needs apples, right? You know, apparently they're good for you, but I prefer animals. <clears throat> um, so what, what does it look like today, you know, like, um, you know, you, 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 you're not likely to have a temptation where someone's just going to offer you to, you know... To, to own all the kingdoms of a certain area. Like, it's, it's not the same. We've, we've got to look at, okay, like, how does the lust of the eyes play out in 2023? How does the lust of power play out in 2023? How does the lust of the flesh play out in 2023? Right? It is important that you and I actually start to see what would that look like for us? Because unless you know the enemy, you can't stand him down. Right? And, and, and you can't go into battle against an enemy that you have no idea who that is. Right? I just think about a random story. On the week just gone, I went down to Melbourne, like I said earlier, and somebody took me out for a day, and they took me to the Rebels, which is a, a, a rugby team, they took me to the Rebels camp, and I got to sit in training and, and, and chat with the team. And you know, they spent one hour that day watching the team that they were about to play this week. They spent one hour sitting there studying the plays of the team they were coming up against. Why? It gives them the intel to know how to play them, right? And yet, we, and yet we don't spend a whole lot of time trying to work out the tactics of the enemy, and then we go into battle and work out why we can't win. We've actually got to understand what this enemy looks like so that we can predict it and, and, and play accordingly. So what does it look like in 2023 to be able to spot the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of power? Let's look at the lust of the eyes just for an example. You know, it's, it, you know that, that one would be pretty obvious, right? So, like, obviously, if you're married, stop looking around. Like, like that would be, I know, I know none of you are going to raise your hand or anything, so that's fine, especially if you're here with your partner, that's fine. Um, but, you know, that's a real strategy from the devil, is to put somebody next to you that is flirty or engaging, somebody that possibly doesn't have any morals, that's a pretty common strategy of the enemy. And I find that the enemy's timing is incredible because he'll do that knowing that you just had a massive argument with your spouse. Like, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He'll wait until you have a massive argument, line the whole thing up, and there you go, right? So you've just had an argument, like, you, you know, let's, let's play this out as a scenario. You're a bloke, you're married, you have an argument with your wife, you're frustrated at her, you jump on a plane, and next to you is a woman who's all flirty. 
And then, of course, if it's an international flight, there's booze, and you can see how, you can see how that plays out, right? Now, I'm, I'm sure none of you have made this mistake, so this is hypothetical. But that's, that, that's, that's how the enemy works. He will do everything he can to steal that assignment off you, and one of the ways he'll do that is to potentially put someone pretty in front of you that gets you and steals your attention. Now, I know, I know some of you, some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, I would never do that. You know, you know the reason why most men never cheat? Can't afford to. Don't even get the chance. We wouldn't know if they would or not. Too broke. I heard Joseph Prince say that. He said it better and he got a bigger response. But <laughs> Why does that get the laugh? <laughs> and it's obviously not just... Um, it's not just women you know, being used by the devil to distract men. It's definitely the other way. I just hear more reports of it being that way. Now, it's funny. It's so funny because when you don't have money or when you're on the come up, it just doesn't happen as much. The minute a, minute a godly man has some wealth, some confidence, right, you know, you, you watch what happens to the enemy starts putting these things around you to try and steal your attention. It doesn't mean you have to run away and have sex with somebody outside. It doesn't mean that. It just means it starts to steal your attention, right? And he's got you beat, if that's the case. He's already got you beat. And, I mean, I mean have empathy. The struggle is real. Think about me. Gorgeous, rich, confident. I mean, I'm like Donald Bradman. Donald Bradman for me, just batting him away. Okay, now we've moved to lying. What's an example of the lust of the flesh in 2023? It's the temptation to, um, for example, buy dumb stuff. Watches, cars, boats. The dumb stuff. And, and they're all justifiable. That's the problem. In the moment, we can justify them all. Scripture says everything is justifiable by man. It goes on to say, but in the end, it leads to the pit. We can justify it all, but you've got to understand that it's the flesh that's weak. I've worked really hard. It's been a big year. By the way, you're meant to work hard, and it's always going to be a big year if you're doing something good for God. So they're not prerequisites to go and buy yourself dumb stuff, right? You don't need it. Because, because here's the thing. Every decision, every action or inaction is either eternal or earthly, One's good, one gets burned up. You could go and buy the biggest watch collection in the world. Now, if watch collecting is your business, that's different. But it's not for you guys that I've seen. If you've got the largest, you can be as proud as you want of your watch collection. But listen, when, when, the, when the second coming of Jesus happens, it's not going to matter one bit to anybody that you've got the greatest watch collection in Australia. It's not going to matter. It's all just fumes. Fumes. 
at the end, all right? I'm going to get to the fact that there's nothing wrong with watches, but you've just got to follow along with me. Because what happens is, you know, the, the, the lust of the flesh is like, I deserve it. I've worked hard. I've had a rough run. I, I, I. And then, we t- and, then, and then what the devil does is he takes that pain or that anguish and he starts to put these shiny things in your periphery. And, and, and then what happens, of course, is, you know, you're spending 15 minutes a day Googling the latest watches and you're not spending 15 days making cold calls and building your business. So it does, it's not even the fact that you go off and buy this dumb stuff. It's the lure of it all. It's the lust of it all. I want it, I want it, I need to look at it, I need to want it, I need to want it. And, and as long as he's got you chasing those things, you're not chasing anything eternal. What, what about the lust, of, the lust of power? I mean, the journey is so long and so hard by design, so that, so that along that way, there's a bunch of tests. And one of them is, I see a lot of people that want to build a business because they want to have staff, and they want to have staff because they like telling people what to do. We would call that ego, right? But it's alluring. I'm the guy with the business. I'm the guy with the growing bit. I'm the girl that's got the team around me. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the. Right? The minute that you are chasing those things, you are just giving yourself over to a power that you actually already had. You've just, it's just been taken off on an angle, and now you're chasing all kind of random things, and you're not walking in the power you were meant to have. He wants you to lay down that anointing power and start to chase all the other powers that the world has to offer, because then you can only focus on things that are worldly and never on things that are eternal. But you're trading. You're trading the power that you have by birthright, right, by the fact that you're a redeemed believer for all the other things. I I still meet people today, they're like, I want to be an influencer. And when you actually dig down why, because they want to be famous. Listen, if you want to be famous because it gives you something, that's the lust of power. My Bible says, see a man who's skilled in his work, he will stand before kings and not obscure men. You don't have to force the influence. Your good works and your diligence will put you in front of the people that matter. But when you start chasing it, when you start chasing it, you know, it's, 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 the, it's, it's the power, it's, it's worldly, it's never going to go anywhere, it's not going to be used for good, it's not eternal, but he's got you distracted. And I'm just giving a few random examples because I want you to kind of think, okay, well now if I can spot it, then I can do something about it. Now, now also remember this, being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted means that you're a threat to the enemy. Now, of course, going ahead with the temptation, of course, is getting you a whole lot closer to sin. Um, But being tempted isn't. In fact, you should be flattered. You should be flattered when temptation comes because it means the enemy is dialing up the intensity on you because you're a threat. 
All right. <clears throat> I feel like, coming back to watches, cars, and things like that, I feel like everything, I feel like everything can be a blessing or a curse. And the differentiator for me is it depends on who the giver was. I believe that God can give you the desires of your heart. I also believe the enemy can. Just let that sit for a minute. See, that's the difference between you going after the things that you want in your life and letting those things come at you because they're a blessing from God. So come back to the nice car, the watch, the boat. This is not about not having nice things in your life. This is about being able to audit who's giving them to you. Are they coming from God at the right time? Because if they are, they'll be a blessing and add to your life. Are they coming from the enemy as a short-term lust to get your attention off what you should be doing? They're a curse. Now, if you've, like, I've made these mistakes. I remember buying dumb stuff when I was young, and the minute I had it, it wasn't enjoyable because I was pursuing it myself instead of just focusing on the kingdom and letting God bless me with the desires of my heart at the right time when it's a blessing and not a curse. Understand the difference? You still end up with the desires of your heart. You still end up with the things that you want, but you are better off to wait and get them from God than think short-term and take them from the enemy. Quiet. Some of you are writing down notes like eBay tomorrow, watch, <laughs> kayak, push bike. Lycra. <laughs> See, this is why when you hear stories of people that have done, you know, who, who have built great kingdom businesses, they all have a similar pattern. That they didn't rush out and buy the things even when they could because they wanted them to come at them as a blessing and not shortcut it and, and just try and get distracted, all right? Every day of your life as an entrepreneur, these things are going to be there. These bright, shiny objects that are literally jumping out to grab your attention. And the devil says he'll never stop day and night. So all of the time, there's these things. And, and your job, listen, just because you can afford something is probably the reason not to buy it. Just because you can is the reason not to. You would be so much better off when you can to wait and see if the Lord brings it to you at some point than jump in because what you'll do is you'll end up taking all of these things from the enemy and you have a life full of things that have got you so distracted that decades pass and there's no fruit. And I don't want that for you. I really don't want that for you. See, um, and, and when temptation comes, what was Jesus' response? It was to preach. 
Everything he said was, it is written. And, and by the way, all three of the things he said it is written were from Deuteronomy, which is amazing. Because it's literally, it's basically how God outlined right back in the beginning how to handle temptation. And he gave examples, and Jesus goes and just refers back to them. It, it's amazing. the way. You know, it probably isn't amazing, but I find that amazing, the, the way that it cross-references. See, see, here's the funny thing, though. If you don't spend a whole lot of time reading this, the Word, and getting as much of this inside of you as you can, it becomes very hard to say to the devil when temptation comes, it is written. And if you haven't got, because Jesus didn't leave it as it is written, he said, it is written, and then he went on to say, if you haven't read much of this, then you're left to go, it's written. And then nothing, because you haven't got anything to add to it. See, some of you, like, you, you know, you, you really need to start investing more time in the Word because you actually need a repertoire to pull from so that when you spot the devil coming up with some lust, you'll be like, ah, I'm not touching that, because what the Bible says. And when this one comes up, I'm not touching that, because this is what the Bible says. And I'm not touching that, because this is what the Bible says. And you, you can fill yourself up with these weapons to be able to say no to that, stop that, don't go there, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to keep my eyes on the things that matter. I'm here for eternal things and not the things of this world because they're going to get burned up. Eternal, 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 eternal. No to that, yes to that, no, 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 no. You can't do that, though, if you haven't got the word inside of you because all you're left to do is go, stop it, devil. Well, he says he won't. So you and I, we have an obligation. Like, you, you, you know, the weapons of our warfare, here. But you've got to start putting them in and putting them in and putting them in. Because if you haven't pulled them in, you're pulling them out, right? You've got to start to digest this stuff and chew on it and let it be there. They become the things that you need in the moment. Because the game for marketplace people is not that you're not going to be tempted. It's that you need to be able to see it so that you can stand it down the minute it shows its face. Because then you can fight it when it's this big instead of fighting it when it's this big. And when you fight it when it's this big, you can get back to doing the stuff that matters. My Pentecostal bro at the back. James 4.7 says, resist the tempter. It doesn't say resist the temptation. So when you see temptation, you want to go straight behind it and go, I see you, devil. Nah, uh, uh, uh. It's written. Oh, that's it. I see you, devil. Right? It doesn't say resist temptation. Temptation is a natural part of the spiritual walk for you as a kingdom entrepreneur. It's natural. You are going to get tempted. And the more that's on your life and the more that you walk in, the temptation is going to get bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger and bigger and stronger. I have a testimony of that. I, I, I'm feeling it every single day, right? The temptation is stronger than ever before. But you've got to be able to spot it. And then you've got to be able to preach to it. And it starts so subtle and it feels so nice and it feels so innocent at the beginning. And it is innocent and it can be innocent. It can be innocent for years before it isn't. And then before you know it, there's too much shame around it so you can't tell anybody about it. So now it's a really big deal. And now you're fighting Goliath when you could have just nipped it in the bud right back in the beginning and said, I'll see you, devil. That pretty girl giving you attention, I see you, devil. The desire for that watch that I really don't need right now, I see you, devil. 
I'm tired and I just want to quit. I see you, devil. I've made so much money, I don't care anymore. I see you, devil. This is the game. So you've got to have that radar on so that you can see it when it comes up because if you don't, it's literally going to start eating away at you as you go. And too many kingdom entrepreneurs have bowed their knee to this journey and it has taken them out. Deuteronomy 6 to 9, all the way through, says, do not forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. It says it like 15 times. Right? You've literally... What's it saying? Remember the goodness of God. Keep your eyes on the things that matter. It's, listen, temptation is own, it's not there because the devil wants to give you something nice. It's there because he wants you to bow your knee and steal your attention. None of it, none of it is a blessing to you that the enemy can bring in your life. So you're armed for battle and ready to go. You spend a load of time in this, and then as soon as you see... By the way, you are better off... You, you are better off to see something come at you and curse it as the devil when it was God than you are to let it play out and find out it was the devil. Right? No, no, that, that might have been a bit too confusing for you. I don't know. But it, Listen, God's not offended when something nice comes up and you're like, I see your devil. And he's like, it's not the devil, this one. All right? I want to give you something nice. It will come back. It will come back, right? You can't curse what God's breathing on, right? You can, well, you can say it all you like. It's not going to work, right? So, so you are better off to be like, that, 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 and just shoot the things down, right? And rather than be like, oh, just let them play out and see what happens, right? These things will eat you alive if you let them in your life. And you and I have an obligation to build a really big business over a long period of time and stand before kings, And we can let nothing steal that attention because that's the only thing in the end that is eternal. Maybe some of you right now are sitting there and you're thinking about some temptations that you might have even let go a little bit. You you, you know, you've led them just a little bit closer than you should have done. I won't ask for a raising of hands, that would be awkward. But you've got to be able to spot it. All right, jump to your feet for me. If I can get the band back up, that'd be amazing. Just to reiterate a point. Being tempted is flattery. The devil is going to come after you because of the assignment on your life, because of the anointing on your life. The bigger game you're playing, the more temptation you're going to have. The more temptation you're going to have, the stronger you better be at spotting it. The more discerning you better be at spotting it. From this moment forward, you need to literally start to adopt the posture of calling it out. Calling it out. When Jesus was tempted, he didn't just think in his head, it is written. He spoke it. He rebuked it. 
He stood it down. You have the same authority, believe it or not. But just because you have the authority doesn't mean you walk in it and you need to. Speak it out, stand it down, take dominion. Literally, from this moment forward, when you see temptation, curse it. I see you, devil. I see you, devil, and it is written. I see you, devil, and my Bible says, I see you, devil, and I'm not doing that anymore. And I see you, devil, and that's not where I'm going. I see you, devil, that's not part of my future. You've got to start cursing it. It'll be a difference maker because all of a sudden these things will just be nipped in the bud early and they won't get carried away. And all of that is so that you could just keep your eyes on the things that matter, which is eternal. Every time your eyes go to something else around, all of that is earthly and it will be burned up. So what's your response? 